Hi, Caleb. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm a little bit tired tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's been a little dreary the past uh, couple days here down in traditionally sunny Palo Alto, but... Um, yeah, we had legitimate rain. I was at the uh, professional football game uh, today, and uh, yeah, it was raining most of the game. It was really quite exhausting. Mm. Hopefully you were uh, not too exposed. No, no, I was I was uh, pretty well protected, and, and my Pats won, so you know. Oh, go sports. All right. Nice. Who, uh, oh, sorry. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, I am actually just drinking a Manhattan. Uh, I, I was very tired and just needed to whip something up. So just did a Manhattan. How about you? Uh, I'm uh, trying a new drink. Uh, it's called the water, a water lily. Oh, very and, nice. uh, a very unusual. purple drink. Yeah. It's unusual and its constituent parts are all equal. Uh, so it's, um, yeah. Gin, creme de violette, uh, Contro. And what was the last piece? Can't remember. Lemon, probably. Oh yeah, lemon juice. You're right. And then a twist of orange. Nice. Yeah, so my wife likes that one. It's a, uh, it's quite good. So I like it a lot. Um, so tonight, uh, similar to what we had teed up in the last episode, uh, wanted to talk about Solar City, and I think I had predicted the ac- uh, the acquisition would go through, and I believe you did call that. Lo and behold, it did go through. So Tesla now owns Solar City as of November 17th. And uh, so the Tesla shareholders and the SolarCity shareholders voted. Uh, the SolarCity shareholders were very expected to have voted in favor of it, so that wasn't much of a, a risk factor. But there was still some concern whether or not Tesla shareholders would vote because Elon and some of the other affiliated shareholders, there's a lot of overlap between the two companies and their uh, uh, board of directors. And so they recused themselves. They chose not to vote. Apparently, they were not under any legal obligation to do so. They just felt uh, it would be better not to for conflict of interest perception. And uh, 85% of the shares that voted were cast in favor of the acquisition. Uh, And so the transaction will be completed in uh, the next couple days. And uh, yeah, so then Tesla will own SolarCity completely. And the deal ended up being just around $2 billion in Tesla stock. So, did, no, so no cash trading hands. Oh, wow. How does a transaction like that even happen? Like, is, do they send a, a Brinks truck over to pick up a bunch of stock certificates? Or, or does it all appear in Elon Musk's Schwab account? Or I, I don't understand how, how something of that magnitude would even happen. It's actually pretty, well, from the outside, it's pretty simple. What will happen is if you own um, Solar City shares, you will get a fractional amount of Tesla shares. And all the Solar City shares will be retired, and they will be converted into partial amounts of uh, Tesla shares. So if you have your own Schwab account or Robinhood account or something like that, and you own Solar City, in a couple days that will turn into some amount of Tesla shares. Oh, interesting. And that's it. That's pretty easy. It's yeah. a little bit less exciting. Uh, yeah, no, no big uh, Brinks trucks um, going It's hard to play a heist around that. Yeah, it'd be very difficult to uh, try and get in the middle of this transaction, hmm. uh, especially since it's all shares. Um, so no <laughs> money is even being wired. Uh, yeah, so basically all the assets of, of Solar City and all the debt of Solar City will become uh, part of Tesla. And so what will be interesting is in the next earnings call, one of our favorite activities will be much more complex because now they will have essentially two businesses to describe uh, the Tesla business, which we're familiar with. And now the Solar City business, which I've been tangentially familiar with, but now we'll be coming more expert in 
because it's part of Tesla. So I thought tonight we could go through a bit of sort of why Solar City got started. Um, what are sort of the, some of the founding assumptions around the business? What, why, why is there so much negative press around Solar City? Why, why do they uh, have so much debt? Uh, and why are they sort of misunderstood? Uh, there was definitely some belief that Tesla acquiring Solar City was a bailout of Solar City, uh, and so I wanted to sort of run through why that could be perceived uh, that way, and why some of those people were saying that. And then just generally where SolarCity's business is going and how it will actually help Tesla and, and what Tesla and Elon Musk in particular think is valuable to having these two businesses be combined, where, you know, a year or two ago, we weren't really even thinking about SolarCity um, for, you know, in, in the sights of, of, uh, of Tesla. All right. So one of the things that, uh, that sort of came about was why does Tesla, what was the rationale that was stated at the beginning? And then we can work backwards. So Elon at the, uh, the meeting said, the basic proposition will be, would you like a roof that looks better than a normal roof that lasts twice as long, that costs less and generates electricity? And he said, that's looking really promising. And I think there's room for improvement. Uh, and, and he was referring to saying that they think the roofs will actually be less expensive than a comparable concrete or terracotta roof. Um, where previously they were saying they would be comparable when you factor in electricity. This is the uh, reveal event that happened in the Universal Studios a lot, the the roofs that were revealed there. Yep. And so we got a little bit more detail a few days back when, uh, you know, in justification, you know, thanking everyone for for voting for it, that uh, the solar roofs are really the big the big component uh, and and more broadly just having a unified um, electricity generation path that's renewable that's sustainable this might be a bit of a tangent but um and i realize that we haven't even actually said anything too tangent away from yet so uh maybe you could defer this to later but uh if you're charging if you have a solar city installation um on your roof you know the solar panels are generating dc power there's some sort of inverter to convert it to ac power so you can power your home um but your car is like if you have a Tesla car, then presumably that's converting from AC back down to DC again to charge your car. Is there any sort of like, well, assuming assuming that analysis is correct, is there any way to go like direct like DC from the panels into the DC of the car uh, without incurring any like conversion losses? Not today, uh, except for uh, superchargers. Okay. So. You're right that there is a lot of conversion happening if you have solar panels on your roof and then trying to charge your car, which uses batteries that are DC, especially if you go through a power wall, there'll be even more right. uh, conversion. So one of the benefits of having everything under one roof and one company is that, yes, they would be able to build a charger that would take the, the direct current from the solar panels and go directly into the car because the cars have onboard chargers that can do the conversion, but they also have an ability to take direct DC. And that's what the superchargers use. So if they use a similar system to superchargers, obviously it would be a much lower amount of current. Uh, they would be able to bypass a lot of that, that loss. So my expectation would be that in the next year or so, we would see a combination product from Tesla that is the uh, power wall and charger sort of built in 
or a special charger that's intended to work with the power wall and solar roofs. Mm-hmm. Um, because even if you're using the power wall, that's a battery that's DC. Right. And usually charging batteries to batteries is a bad idea um, because of that AC conversion. Um, and there's even been some people floating the idea that people would start re- uh, wiring their homes for DC, but I think that's just sort of crazy talk. Um, <laughs> that, that would be a quite a, quite a, a back step in uh, going back to the very original Edison-style homes that were DC. Um, <laughs> Team so Westinghouse. Be, yeah, exactly. you got to stay with the AC and the Tesla. Um, so yeah, that is one of the potential benefits uh, as well. Um, so jumping back to like the very... Like what makes Solar City interesting? Because there's been many, many people who produce solar panels. Uh, currently, Solar City doesn't even produce their own solar panels. So why is this company interesting at all? If they don't even make their own panels, they will be soon. But we'll get to that. Um, the really important thing is that the cost of solar panels for any meaningful amount of electricity generation has typically it cost between thirty and fifty thousand dollars to generate something around the amount of electricity a normal house uses, and so for many people, uh, buying a thirty to fifty thousand dollar thing is very difficult to do, and many loans were not set up to accommodate purchasing a solar panel. So maybe you could get a, a line of credit from your home equity, you know, tapping your mortgage. But there, were, there wasn't a place to just go get loans for solar panels. Uh, and, and so many people didn't either have the credit to do that or just didn't, there wasn't even that product. And so solar panels up until the time Solar City was founded were really relegated to people who had cash to spend for these panels and could reap the benefits of their lower electricity generation over time. So if you lived in an area like Hawaii, like California, um, like uh, Nevada, where uh, electricity generation is more than the, the average uh, for the for the country, it was possible for solar panels over their lifetime of twenty to thirty years to be cost effective. But many people are not that for forward thinking to plan what the uh, efficacy of a thirty year investment would be. Many people don't even have a few thousand dollars in savings, and so Elon Musk had been thinking about this in his sort of mastermind uh, plan for how do you make energy sustainable and transport sustainable. And so he went to his two cousins uh, who previously had founded a company uh, that was doing uh, software, um, software for distributed computer management. So I think Dell eventually bought the company. It was called Everdream. So Lyndon and Peter, uh, who are both brothers and cousins of Elon Musk, got the idea from Elon. Elon helped start the company. He he invested cash to start it and they ran it. And this was in 2006, so 10 years ago. And the general premise was rather than sell solar panels and install them uh, at cost for the customer, we will uh, lease them to customers such that they anchor on the price of their electric bill and we will sell them electricity at a rate lower than their traditional utility. And we will recoup that over time, much like a subscription revenue business, like a Comcast or a, a regular utility or a new software company like Box or Salesforce. So this is like when, when Comcast 
gives you the modem for your internet connection and then charges you $10 a month for it, even though you could actually buy it yourself if you wanted to. Yes, very similar to that. And uh, obviously that model works. There's many, uh, and the way cell phones used to work in the US as well, where you would, um, uh, in that case, it was even di- it was even more special because your monthly subscription price paid for the asset. Uh, and now you actually pay a monthly fee for the actual product. And so basically they could say, we will come to your home, install solar panels, your electric bill will go down, and rather than pay your electric company, you'll pay us. And then uh, SolarCity was able to now sign up a lot of customers. The problem was uh, that someone still had to pay for those $50,000 worth of solar panels on this person's roof, and it wasn't the customer, the person who owned the roof. And so SolarCity had to find a way to create a financial instrument to package up these solar panels into a way that they could try to uh, sell that as an asset. Oh, man, this is starting to give me flashbacks to 2008, 2009. Are are we going to have like some subprime uh, solar panel bundles here? Is there going to be a tranche? Well, there are tranches. There is many tranches. Uh, and there are different uh, packages of them, and uh, there is FICO scores described in in some of the literature of their uh, their documents. Because obviously, the likelihood of someone's being able to pay back and continue to pay their monthly two hundred three hundred dollar fee for their utility is contingent on their uh, their income. And are they? Uh, is this uh, solely? Is there any sort of like backing to this loan? Like, is it? Do they have to put their house up for collateral if they're installing them on a house, or is it? Uh, are they more exposed than that? So they're actually quite. Un- they're very low exposure, uh, primarily because the asset that is being sold and and um, financialized is the solar panel, and those are intrinsically valuable, and so the homeowner is not at risk of um, default in the same way because they. Um, the value of those solar panels isn't rising um, drastically and they're not leveraged super high. Uh, the value of them is what the utility rate they can generate because they can make electricity. They're still valuable even 20 years in the future. And one of the other sort of core assumptions and underlying insights they had in founding the company was that uh, electricity prices had been going up for the past 10 years Um uh, they had sort of continued to, to creep forward, creep up, especially in, in many of these states like California and Hawaii and uh, very high energy usage states. So electricity rates have been rising for the past 15, 20 years, uh, a few percent a year, but demand is also rising. And so that's unusual uh, for most markets. Most markets, the prices go up, uh, demand goes down. Uh, but electricity is, in the economic term, inelastic. And so they saw this as an opportunity because basically what it meant is people really want electricity. Uh, And so it's this really important need. And if the price continues to go up, people are still going to need it. So once you found the place where solar panels were uh, cost effective relative to the cost of buying electricity from the grid, you could make this deal, you could make it financially viable. And so what it also required was for solar panels to come down in price and they actually have quite, quite a lot. Um, since 1980, when uh, solar panels were really started to be tracked, um, the price of, of solar was incredibly uh, expensive. Um, you can even remember, like, I think 
That was which president was it? They put him on the the, the roof of the White House. God, Jimmy uh, Carter did, I believe. Yeah, that, a um, long time ago. Yeah, so the the price has just kept coming down and down over time uh, to to a place now where uh, the cost per watt uh, of the actual panels is cheaper than coal uh, electricity generation if you were to create a new coal plant, and it's now at parity with oil, uh, natural gas in many places. Um, and so especially in places like California where we're above the average, um, especially in Los Angeles and other places where they have different tiers where certain peak times they charge upwards of 20, 30 cents a kilowatt hour. Solar City's standard is around 15 cents per kilowatt hour. So about half of the market for electricity is above 15 cents per kilowatt hour. So that's sort of what Solar City anchors on is they were able to get it to 15 cents per kilowatt hour to the customer. And then they, over time, will be able to generate more and more profit as their solar panels get more efficient and they can extract the difference because they're selling it to the customer at 15 cents per kilowatt hour. When they started, they were almost right there. So it was sort of break even. And now as they're going on, they're getting more and more efficient. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it seems like it also... Uh tax pretty well to um, like the variability of the electricity cost too. Like when the solar panels you're having installed are at their peak generating power also happens to be when electricity is at its most expensive if you're buying it off the grid, which seems like a pretty nice synergy right there. Right. That's one of the other pieces. So you can have solar panels on your roof and you may not be using the electricity at that moment. Um, and so in many states, they have what's called net metering. And this is really critical, too, because it means instead of that excess electricity going unused, it actually gets sold back to the utility. And in many states, it's sold at the retail price. And so you are, in effect, selling electricity back to the electric company at the same rate they would have charged you. So Solar City is actually able to sell back some of the excess electricity to the grid and pocket the difference. Um, now, net metering is uh, under a lot of uh, pressure because uh, there's some federal regulations that require it, but only up to a certain percentage of electrical grid capacity. So it used to be that at 2.5% of uh, energy utilization of the grid could come from solar from customers and they would need to pay for it. But anything above that, the grid uh, operators didn't need to pay the customer for it. That was it bumped up to 5% as more and more solar power was coming online. But in some places, it's, it's hitting that level. And in places like Hawaii, they generate so much excess solar capacity that they actually have a problem now where they, they can't keep adding more solar panels uh, to cover their demand because when it's dark out, they don't have enough base capacity from uh, generator-based uh, electricity to cover it. Mm -hmm. So they, they've gotten in this net bad situation. And that's where Tesla comes in and their battery products, because if net metering goes away and you cannot sell your capacity back to the grid, a lot of the fundamental assumptions that SolarCity is based on, that they could sell excess capacity back to the grid rather than the homeowner using it for themselves, becomes really problematic. If you assume over 30 years, you know, some meaningful percentage of that potential revenue generation is not available that makes the value of those contracts a lot less. And so you actually need to have batteries going forward to uh, actually absorb that capacity and then either have the customer use it 
or have it be absorbed by an electric car that happens to use a ton of electricity. And so you would actually uh, be able to charge the customer for that electricity generation. Um, so that's sort of a quick overview of sort of how Solar City works. Oh, so I guess one thing on the financial side is so they take all of these, and this is going to remind you of the the, the crash. <laughs> they take all of uh, they they go out to someone like Goldman Sachs and say we're going to create a fund uh, and you get a really good benefit because not only do you get depreciation of these panels of this asset that we're going to sell to you through this investment vehicle so they can they can write off that depreciation of the panels even though the panels don't really depreciate so there's a little bit of a loophole there because it's a an asset that is a physical product they can through accounting laws depreciate mm -hmm. it so they can say like okay it's not worth as much as it was but solar panels actually don't lose efficiency over time. They'll just eventually break. And so they're not really depreciating uh, at the same level as the tax code would say. And then also, there's a 30% federal tax uh, credit. Um, and so if you install solar panels on your roof or your business and you ins install them, uh, you can write off 30% of the cost and you'll get it back as a rebate on your federal taxes if you have taxable income and so that actually works for the if you so i i guess my question here um is around the actual ownership of the panels um if you're actually leasing them from uh from solar city um if i'm thinking about like a car you know you i lease a car i have a monthly payment and then at the end of my lease i do not own that car i have probably right. an option to buy in the in the lease contract but and usually it's not necessarily the best thing to do to actually buy it at that point um but yeah so is is solar city the owner of the panels that are on the uh customer's home and and if so like how does that affect the government any sort of like tax benefits right uh solar city will sell you the panels directly if you want to pay upfront. So in that case, you would get the federal tax credit, the 30%. Okay, and that's just um, more of like like buying a car with a loan where it's like you, you actually own it and you're just like paying it back. And then if you default, then there would be some sort of probably repo man to come over and pry the panels off your home. Right. And Solar City would pretty much be out of that transaction at that point, except for they do some management of the panels and they have some software and whatever. Mm -hmm. But essentially, you would own it. They have another product that's a... Uh, solar city loan which is really new in the past year and um they are doing the financing themselves um and so they work with uh, lenders to create these loans similar to like uh, how gm financial exists and ford financial like you don't have to go to bank of america or your credit union you can go straight to ford and they'll finance it so Solar City is doing the same similar thing there, and and so they can make money two ways. They can make money by paying themselves for the panels, and then they also make money on the loan interest, uh, a slight amount. Mm -hmm. So that's product two. Product three is what what they've been doing the majority of their lifetime, where they go to someone like Goldman Sachs or Wells Fargo or Google Inc. or some big capital management company. You mean Google Capital. Sorry, Google Capital. Um, <laughs> And basically, uh, and they've, they've worked with them uh, to create a fund of a few hundred million dollars at a time to fund these panels 
that creates a subsidiary company or a joint venture. They have a few different ways they've done it, but it doesn't really matter. They create this new thing. That thing owns the panels. That thing takes the tax credit, and the homeowner does not get a tax credit. They just pay their dues, their lease dues, into this ownership vehicle thing. And what typically has happened is two-thirds of that value has come from the loan people, and a third has come from debt directly from SolarCity. And that's why SolarCity has a ton of debt, is they can't always find enough financing for all of these themselves with these joint ventures, which sort of pay SolarCity revenue when the solar panels are installed. They actually have to own their own debt, which then they are responsible for. Um, and the payback periods on that is a lot shorter. And so they have a lot of interest payments on debt uh, that about a third of their uh, panels out there have been financed by them. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons why they have so much debt. Um, and they don't get as much revenue coming in relative to that amount of debt because the debt is incurred instantly, but the payback would come over 20, 20 years, which is their average contract. Okay. And then, so how much of that, uh, like looking at the um, sort of exposure of Solar City, like right now, debt is at a historically low rates. I mean, almost zero in some places. Um, how, how does Solar City, how does that model for Solar City look going forward if debt rates start to creep up to more like historic levels of, you know, a few percentage points? Like, does that, does right. that break things for them? Like, are they, are they reliant on extremely low uh, debt availability? So right now, um, there's a case to be made that they are, uh, that they are extremely reliant on third parties wanting to partner with them to create these funds to then go install these panels. Because there have been times when they can install panels at the same rate as they want to, and they've talked about they didn't hit their targets for installation of panels because financing was tied up. And, and that's a very different sort of situation than many companies where their end customer pays for the product. And so sometimes if the economy slows down or whatever, that impacts it, obviously. Right. But um, so what they've tried to do is go from this model of, of securitizing many panels and having the consumer be sort of out of the loop to a model that's much more advantageous to Solar City, uh, but much more difficult to pull off, um, which is direct loans to the customer and having those be provided by third parties. And so in that situation, what happens is the customer has a loan uh, and they're just paying for the panel. So they're not paying SolarCity for the electricity anymore. They've just bought the panel. So from SolarCity's point of view, they get all the money, that $50,000, say, on their revenue for that quarter because they just sold it. And then the customer has a loan that happens to be very similar to what their monthly uh, utility bill is because they can get a 10-year loan or 20-year loan. Uh, and so that's what SolarCity's been working on is finding, you know, ongoing banking partners who will believe and trust that, that loans for solar panels are viable, that the repayment rates are understandable, and that the percentage rate is low enough that uh, it makes sense financially for a customer to do it because car loan rates are typically uh, pretty good because you have this asset that you can re repo if, it, if they stop paying. Um, 
and it's really well understood how much people default on car payments and all that. Uh, but solar panels were kind of new. But now that they're actually part of Tesla as well, uh, they're going to have access to a lot more capital. Uh, and, uh, and so that's one of the big reasons that their financial situation has been improving of late. They've been going from being really, really like losing hundreds of millions of dollars a year to this year they may be cash flow break even because they've transitioned from 90% of these leases to about 50-50 lease to loan, and they eventually want to be 100% loan. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that seems like that would make a lot more sense. At that point, you're just, it's more of a standard, like, I'm selling a product sort of thing and not a, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing some sort of exotic financial vehicle to hide where this money is coming from. Or, well, maybe that's maybe a little too nefarious, but just trying to... To, yeah. to massage the numbers to make it more palatable for for people. Um, yeah, because they yeah they have to like they basically have to say what is the net present value? How much are all those future payments going to be worth today? And basically make a case to a financial institution that that is more, and their likelihood of getting repaid that that interest rate will be higher than if they were to put their money somewhere else. And they have to prove what the relative risk is. For that money, does there- on something that you know, there's only been a ten years of of history and relatively few customers. I mean, yeah, a couple hundred thousand. That's kind of what I was just going to ask too. Is like, is there as they achieve some scale here, are they essentially creating the confidence for lenders where they know that you know, if you lend someone a car, like you say, you can repo the car, and there's there's an established market for selling that vehicle. And it might be less obvious to, say, your local credit union that if they have to repo your solar panels, that they would be able to then resell those and, and recoup some of the, the money they've lost. And so is Solar City by like growing this much, are they establishing themselves as a second market buyer of, of used solar panels that might get repoed? Right. So uh, they, they've been, they, they have been talking about that. And uh, the, the CEO said... And in an interview very recently when they were announcing the solar loan product was that, you know, these are not luxury yachts we're talking about. It's your energy and the default rates are lower than mortgages. Um, And he said that when they started, they were you needed a FICO score of 720 or higher. And now they can loan successfully to customers who are 680 and they think they'll get down to people who are 650. And the rationale there is that people pay their electric bill. Uh, because they need electricity. Um, now, if the electricity doesn't actually get turned off, but they just repo all of your panels, I'm I'm not sure if it's the same. But um, <laughs> well, there's going to be it, a it's strong... not the same as a house payment, Rob. Right? It's going to be a couple hundred dollars a month, which many people are already accustomed to paying an electric bill. And so, I think I think the case there is pretty strong um, that if you have pretty clear history of being able to afford your electricity in your home, and you're a homeowner that switching that out for a, um, a, l- a loan for solar panels isn't that big a deal. But th- the really important thing is that when that product is your roof, it's a solar roof, that will get built into the price of your new home or of a roof. And there's so much already built up around loans for roofs that they're going to sneak it in to an existing product category that won't need the same level of scrutiny because if you need a roof, you can get a line of credit or a loan or people already have a way to finance roofs. So there's no change in behavior there. We're adding 
solar panels to your roof has been a change of behavior. So I think that's been under-discussed, but is a really clever way to solve this problem because if you're building a new home, especially, it will just be built into your mortgage and it won't be a special payment. It will just be built into the price of the home. Right. And so if they're if they're still doing the leasing product, I'm sorry, this just popped in my head here. Uh, if they are still doing a leasing product and you sell your home, what happens to the solar panels on top of the home if you're like purchasing a home from someone who has a solar city lease? Is it like transferable? Do they remove them? What's the do they have a, a yeah. procedure for that? It was asked about on the, the, the Solar City Tesla merger call or acquisition call because many of the analysts are automotive analysts and they, like us, didn't really know much about Solar City. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they described it and they said in almost every single case where that's happened, it's just been transferred to the new owner and they've been happy to because uh, the electricity bill is still lower than what it would have been otherwise. Uh, and so, yeah, they just transfer it. And yeah, in the event that the, when the 20 year payment comes up, Solar City would either come and take the panels off the roof and repurpose them, or the owner could choose to uh, buy them out and, uh, and keep them or, you know, roll it into some new package. Um, but like we said earlier, the, the panels themselves have a very long useful life. And so they won't actually be useless. They'll just be not as efficient as brand new panels would be. But they still generate electricity, which is valuable, inherently valuable. Right. Cool. cool. So I guess um, the the thing that's sort of important for combining with Tesla is Tesla is much larger. I mean, Tesla is around thirty billion dollar market cap, uh, and Solar City was just around two billion. So uh, they're much larger from a, a market cap perspective. But Solar City has thousands and thousands of employees. And what they do is they are in all of these different states they operate in. I think they operate in like 18 states in the U.S. And they are trained electricians and installers. And so they know how to go out to a home, size it up, install panels on the roof very efficiently, uh, pull the permits, do everything. So from a customer's point of view, they call Solar City, they do the estimate, and they come out. And at some point, they just start sending a check to Solar City instead of their utility. And so that's a really sort of all-in-one solution uh, where if you want to do it yourself, there'd be a lot of work and a lot of different subcontractors you'd have to deal with. And so how much does that, um, so obviously that's in contrast to the uh, the shingles are the solar panels thing that they've announced recently. And, and how do they see that transition happening where uh, if the panels are just being installed as part of the roof, then this whole aftermarket solar panel installation business would kind of go away so they see it as a new market actually they see it that it will this is uh doesn't compete with their existing market because the people who are putting solar panels on their roof have roofs that have a useful life of more than five or ten years left Mm -hmm. so they don't put solar panels on roofs that are nearing end of life and they typically also don't put them on brand new roofs um uh but what they were saying is they think that they will continue certainly to be retrofitting and putting solar panels on roofs, especially for flat roofs, which tend to be for uh, commercial purposes. So their commercial arm, I mean, they serve businesses and they work with eBay and the U.S. Army and a bunch of different companies and, and organizations for solar panels, large distribution. 
but for yeah for the solar roofs they will actually be your uh, the the current belief and i i could be wrong here but I'm, I'm pretty sure i'm right that they are actually going to be a roofing contractor so your contractor will subcontract to tesla to put the roof on <laughs> and so they will come out and be the guys on the roof guys and gals installing the panels or the, installing your roof and it will happen to be electric um so yeah they they will be the ones doing that and so having that team of people is um you know would would have been the case regardless of whether or not they merged but they will now be there and it also means that if you buy a car, uh, they will also be able to install your charger and your power wall because they will have a lot of electricians on staff who can know how to pull permits, know all these different jurisdictions, and can can do that for you. So what Elon mentioned at the, the meeting for the uh, call was like, we will just, you'll just walk into a Tesla store, say I want a Model 3, say I want solar roof, say I want power wall. And it will all just show up and we'll take care of everything and it will all be connected and it will all just work. And that's his vision for it is that all of those things just work together seamlessly from one app, one company, one payment. And, uh, you know, that's that's what they want to do. And they felt that would be really difficult to do if they weren't just one company. Um, and they think they'll be able to save some money being combined as well. Uh, they think they'll be able to save $150 million a year in direct costs from from uh, combined sales and marketing efforts. Um, and they think they'll actually add half a billion cash to Tesla uh, over three years. So they don't view it as a cash sink. Uh, they think that by having these loans and exposing the, the Solar City people to uh, loans that Tesla has, because Tesla offers loans and ha- does some of their own loans for the cars and they do their own leases for some of the cars that they clearly have the ability to finance very expensive products, 50, 60, 70, $80,000 products, which happen to be very similar to the price of solar panels and roofs. Uh, and so they will just continue to expand their financial arm to embrace the solar panel world. Cool, cool. And so where is Solar City based? Are they near here? Are they? Uh... Yeah, they're in, they're in San Mateo. Oh, okay. Inter- oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, their headquarters is right in San Mateo, which is... Um, and are they going to remain a, a separate, like, wholly owned subsidiary of Tesla? Or are they going to kind of... Uh, is there going to be some employee crossover there? How, how do you think that's going to work? So Tesla has already talked about this idea of Tesla Energy, which is the group that's been doing their Powerwall and Powerpack installations. So the grid installations with um, people like Hawaii and California. So I think they will basically become... Tesla Energy will be their solar products and their battery products will all be under one uh, one group. And um, I think the 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 founders, uh, the the Reeves, will be staying on. Um, they've reduced their salary from two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to to one dollar a year, uh, in keeping with Elon Musk's one dollar a year salary. So I think they're going to be staying on. And obviously, Elon knows them very well. They're his cousins. He's known them for a while. <laughs> and uh, also, he was the chairman of the board of Solar City. So he's been very familiar with how Solar City's been run. And he was also the largest shareholder in Solar City with around 20% ownership of the company. Um, so I think he's pretty familiar with that that team there. And uh, And yeah, so they will definitely be staying on. It's not as if they're 
shuttering it or just sort of taking the IP. Uh, I think they definitely appreciate the, the overall team and the staff they have uh, and the ability that they'll have to repurpose this team to do a lot more for Tesla customers. Because the other really big benefit uh, that I see is that all the Tesla stores will now be able to sell the solar products. And that staff in there who's selling cars will now also be able to upsell you to solar products or be a place to come and learn about solar products. So the cars pull you in because they're really good looking and attractive and interesting. And then you will be browsing around and you'll see these solar roof panels around and learning more about that. And one of the biggest costs for uh, Solar City is the cost of customer acquisition. So how much does it cost in sales and marketing to get one new customer? And they spend a lot on that, um, more than the cost of the panels. And so if they can reduce that by piggybacking off the efficiencies of Tesla, uh, I think they'll have a really great opportunity there and certainly be exposed to a lot more people. And if it's true that the cost of the roofs will be similar, that you'd actually be able to do some really interesting things around the price of your car um, because a lot of car payments are around two or three hundred dollars a month. Um, it, it might be possible to offer people the ability to get a solar roof and reduce the price of their car payment, which I think a lot of people would find pretty attractive, um, even if it doesn't affect their um, their utility bill. Um, so I, I think it'll be really interesting to see, um, but its scale is still not that huge um, relative to Tesla's scale. Uh, so I think that it will be something that continues. I think the solar roofs are clearly the thing that's most important to them and what they see as the long-term way that solar panels really get deployed residentially and that solar panels themselves will be what uh, what utilities use. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, those are some of the main things that I could pull up. Do you think there's still any sort of hangover from the uh, Solyndra debacle of uh, what was that? And it's probably like seven years ago now. The uh, the I feel like that's kind of the thing that kind of drags down solar projects in the U.S. At least recently, the yeah, because that was the beginning of the Obama administration. I think that was one of the right. big government loans they did. And um, I, ironically, maybe uh, it's like the neighboring, like the Solyndra factory was like right next door to the what is now the Tesla factory in Fremont here in California. Yeah, apparently they own that building now, and they they're using it. That's where they um had the uh, the vote. Tesla owns that building. Now oh, do too. they? I thought it was a hard drive factory. Now I thought Seagate owned that. Apparently, they got one of the some of that campus. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that what's good about the solar panels is that they're pretty far ahead of the lithium ion batteries, at least in sort of the technology curve. They've been worked on since the '80s, and the price has been coming down about half every 10 years. And so regardless of any individual company's uh, fortunes in technology with solar panels or lack thereof in the case of Solyndra, um, that the inexorable march towards low and lower price panels continues, that uh, China in particular has really uh, pushed the boundaries on that. Yeah, I think that was and what so, did Solyndra in too, right? Like they were doing some yeah. advanced technology and it turns out the the basic technology just took a leap and, and killed them. Yeah, the, the, the commodity stuff in China is, is quite good now. Um, and what's interesting is SolarCity is actually building their own, they call Gigafactory <laughs> in Buffalo, 
Um, it's 1.2 million square feet. It has about a billion dollar cost. It'll have 1,500 workers in Buffalo, and it's going to be the largest uh, solar panel production in the U.S. It will compete head on head with head to head with Chinese uh, manufacturing. And um, it's going to be producing these really efficient um, 22 to 23% efficiency panels. Uh, and so that's going to bring their cost down. And they're doing it with Panasonic, who, if we all remember, is actually the partner for the batteries at the Gigafactory that Tesla's already been working on in Nevada. And so uh, Panasonic is going to be manufacturing the solar cells, similar to the cells they're pa- manufacturing for the lithium ion batteries. And then Solar City will be making the roof tiles or the panels out of those solar cells. Um, and so they will have their own manufacturing finally and not be just buying them on the open market. So that will reduce the cost further. And Elon Musk also said that, uh, you know, when you look at the roofing uh, industry, it hasn't gotten a lot of love uh, <laughs> recently, uh, that there's so much inefficiency in the roofing market that just having a company that's dedicated to being an installer of the product that also manufactures it, they would be the only company in the world that does that, uh, that manufactures and installs their own roofing product, and that the cost of installing roofing and installing um, solar panels is one of the the biggest parts, around 60% of residential solar cost is the installation and all the stuff that goes into installation. So if you can bring that cost down, you can have a bigger impact than you can if you just have cheaper solar panels themselves. And so I think that's going to be a really big component as well as, as they do more and more of these roofs and Elon Musk's maniacal focus on efficiency <laughs> from, the, from the automotive world will lead them to uh, have pretty good economies of scale as well as uh, efficiencies in engineering. How does these installing process happen? Like one, one simple example he gave was, you know, if you're shipping slate or uh, terracotta from Italy, a lot of it breaks and a lot of it gets lost on its way. And so uh, the cost of an individual tile might not be that high, but actually when you lose 20 or 30% of it to breakage uh, and loss and multiple individual warehouses reselling it, uh, it gets really expensive. Uh, and that the people who install it uh, do a really large markup, uh, similar to just general construction materials. It's not a very... Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not priced. It's, people are not paying for the cost of terracotta <laughs> if they want a terracotta roof. And, and he wants to get it much more to that level. Cool, cool. Um, all right, so we've been going for quite a while here. Do you have uh, any uh, final thoughts or do you want to bring this in? I think it's good. I, I feel like um, even in my own research, I feel like I have a better understanding of how Solar City works. Um, I feel like it's definitely, in summary still a good idea that Tesla owns them because at the at the highest level if you want your transport to be sustainable it needs to be running on batteries rather than burning gasoline so that makes sense Tesla's already been doing that uh but the where the energy comes from for those batteries also needs to be renewable and it seems very possible that uh, if you want to accelerate the rate of renewable energy being used, sustainable energy being used, going directly to homeowners instead of waiting for large utilities to install it uh, makes sense because there's unused space on their roofs or their roofs themselves. 
So I think in the grand vision of Tesla, it makes a lot of sense. From a business point of view, uh, I'm it's you know it's a few hundred billion dollar market. The electricity market it's like eight hundred billion dollars, so it's still pretty large. The car market is still larger than the electricity market in the U.S. for retail, which actually was a little bit surprising to me. But I guess when you think about the how cheap electricity really is, um, it it does make sense. But the time horizons so I, are a lot different too. Like when you're talking about a, a something on your roof that's going to last for thirty years, that's a much different. Uh, consideration than a car that might last maybe five, maybe 10 if you're lucky. Yeah. So the, the numbers from the uh, energy information agency uh, in 2010, it's sort of old, but total retail sales of electricity in the U S was $350 billion. So um, less than cars by, by quite a lot. Um, But that's, you know, every year. Um, So I think it's good that they they have them. I think the solar roofs, as we talked about in the previous episode, are intriguing, uh, but also, like we talked about in that episode, not a massive, massive market. I mean, multi-hundred billion dollar markets are large, but it's very hard to be bigger than the the market for cars. And as we've seen with SolarCity, they're not profitable. It's very expensive to do this. They're not making money on each individual installation yet. So... Uh, I think they still have a lot of proving to do, and I think that's why a lot of people were down on the acquisition. And clearly Tesla is already uh, under the gun to produce the Model 3, so it will be somewhat distracting. So how much time does Elon have to spend on it? If it's the similar or less than he's spending on it previously, great. Um, but it seems like it's going to have to be a little bit more than he had spent previously. Um, so... I don't know. I think on balance, it's fine. Uh, and I think it's generally good uh, for the world that uh, more <laughs> solar roofs be installed and solar panels be installed. So it's good for Elon this Musk planet the, or another yeah. one. Yeah. And also for future cars, uh, which Elon had mentioned that he wants to put solar panels on the cars themselves. And maybe it's just branding. Maybe it's some other plan that isn't fully revealed yet. But it was his original idea, and he asked his cousins to do it. And he, he, when they first announced the deal, he had said, you know, in an alternate universe, it probably would have been part of Tesla. I was just too busy. Um, so and Cloning technology a, hasn't made it there yet. Yeah, so he sort of just sees it as a homecoming of rejoining these two ideas that uh, diverge that should have been together at once anyways. So I'm, uh, I'm glad it went through. I think it's, uh, it's good and... Um, We'll be hearing a lot more about Solar City, and well, we won't be hearing much more about Solar City. We'll just be hearing about Tesla Energy and Tesla Solar. So, uh, with that, hopefully, everyone feels a lot more educated on Solar City, and we'll uh, we'll continue to dissect their advancements over time as part of Tesla Major, Tesla Energy, Tesla Prime, Tesla, Tesla Proper, Tesla Prime, yeah. Tesla P. <laughs> All right. So if anyone has any other insights on this stuff or solar in general or financial instruments that can lead to this uh, uh, financing, where can they reach us? So a few places on Twitter at the Tesla show. You can tweet at us on Reddit at our subreddit r slash the Tesla show and on our own website, theteslashow.com. You can leave a comment on any of our episodes or listen to any of our previous episodes. And if this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to us in iTunes or Overcast or Pocket Casts or any of those casting <laughs> services. Castro. We are in those, yes. Castro, Stitcher, TuneIn. 
there's too many to name. So, uh, and we will, we'll come straight to your ear holes every week. Can't ask for more than that.